This episode of Untold Stories is sponsored by Public.com and Ledin.io. You'll hear more about them later on in this episode. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. What is up, my friends? I am Charlie Schramm, your host of Untold Stories, where twice a week together, we get to dive deep with some of crypto's most influential leaders, brilliant minds, those who are like, we need to understand what makes them tick. We need to understand how they motivate themselves every single day to understand how this community came to be, where we are right now, and where we're going in the future. And, you know, on, on, on the past, like, 200 and something episodes of this show, you notice that largely we're introducing people by their first and last name. They're attached to a company or a different community. Maybe it's a publicly traded company or a blockchain that they founded. But today we get to have a guest on our show. His name is Starkers. Starkers, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Hey, Charlie. How's it going? Yeah, we yeah, representing no company, no entity, no nothing, just myself and communities of decentralized blockchain people. And you're part of the Three Speak community, which came out of the Hive community, which was came out of one of the earliest, earliest blockchain communities, Steam, which I was so excited to be a part of back in, in 2016 and, and talk about delegated proof of stake and Talk, we're going to talk about how all this came to be and where this all came from. And I just want to say, um, Three Speak is a place where content creators can directly own their own assets and communities. You own your own assets and communities using this technology. The ownership of the assets and the communities are intrinsic to the creator and not to the creator and not Three Speak. Correct. Therefore, they're transferable to other apps right. that uses blockchain technology. Right. This is exactly the ethos of what Satoshi started back in 2009. In fact, in the early days of Bitcoin, we never had our first names on the forums or the chat rooms. My name was Yankee. We were all using, this is the ethos. So having you on the show today to talk about communities, to talk about different models, to talk about really how, why the Hive community is probably more decentralized than Bitcoin is. I'm going to get a lot of people giving me flack. We're going to talk about that today. But what makes you tick? You know, you wake up every morning. You're part of this amazing community of people. You get to live and travel around the world. What, what is most exciting for you every single day? I mean, in terms of the tech that we're building, it's the fact that we are creating a new paradigm, you know, and it's a paradigm that is going to be incredibly difficult, if not impossible, to regulate. And it will be regulated by the people in the community. And the paradigm allows you to own your social media account on a decentralized layer. And that gives you certain rights. It gives you rights that, you know, without looking at the color of your skin, where you're from or what your political opinions are, you can post, you can speak, and no one can stop you from doing that. Uh, you can earn your own um, uh, cryptos and your own economy. You know, you can run your own economies. You manage your own communities that you own and your followers list that you own that no one can take off you unless there is a consensus vote by the community on the chain, which is incredibly rare in these anarchistic um, crypto chains. So it just it's a new paradigm that people haven't quite woken up to yet, uh, especially in the Web2 world, but that it's coming. It's Web3, and it's um, it's what makes me tick at the moment. You know, it's, it's bringing freedom to the online space. And I literally, I wake up in the morning, like, out of bed, I'm like, Web3. Just excited <laughs> about it. <laughs> I mean, why, why would you why would you continue posting on Web two where where your ass is owned? Why wouldn't you use your Web two as a traffic funnel to funnel your audiences along to Web three, 
where you know you own that shit there. You own your account, everything you do, the value as tokens come out, they'll be locked in the token market caps instead of in Mark Zuckerberg's pocket. This is where we're moving to, you know, and it's an unstoppable force. There's this profile that exists in the Web2 internet somewhere right now for you, for me, for everyone listening to the show. There's a profile with a number and a name attached to it. And, and, And all of our data, whether it's our browsing data, our shopping data, our medical data, everything in real time, even me doing this podcast, it's all part of this profile. And this profile is bought and sold constantly about us. Uh, uh, not only that, but the more you contribute, the more you contribute to your online presence, the more uh, uh, pro-social content that you're adding to the communities that you're a part of, uh, you don't own it. They own it. Someone else yep. is making money of it. But this is not new. We've been talking about this since 2004, since Facebook was launched. Yep. But why has Facebook been able to hold on to, and other ones too, but like largely, why has Facebook been able to hold on to like this, not social media market share, but a like content creation market share that's not 140 or 280 characters. And Facebook still is like that de facto thing. Is it because we just don't have that Web3 yet? I just think it's normalized. I think I think it's like it, like I was saying, it's a new paradigm, right? Imagine the way I explain it most simply is on Web 2, you're owned, right? Someone else owns your keys. But on Web 3, you own your social media account on a distributed layer, on a decentralized layer that has no CEO, no venture capital, no founder, no company behind it. It's a distributed layer that no one can sue. No, there's no entities to go after. And as long as you can prove that wherever you set up your Web3 social account, you start to think like, hold on a minute. No one owns this account but me. And it's outside the platforms, right? And when people start to realize that, that's the fundamental, for me anyway, the fundamental switch that people haven't realized yet. So on Web2, they don't understand that paradigm's even possible. And as a result, it's normalized and people, of course, continue to post because they just don't know that there's any other options there. But as this tech is rolling out, and so we've been speaking about this for four and a half years, five years now. But to try and explain these ideas abstractly to people, especially normal people who post on Web2, it's incredibly difficult. But now that we've got it to the point where the tech's available and you can actually post on the tech, you can receive rewards, you can actually manage your accounts and your communities outside the system and outside the platforms, you can show this to people now. And, and the picture is a thousand words. So I think there's going to be a paradigm shift coming, especially when people realize that they can use Web2 as a traffic funnel to filter their audiences and their attention across to Web3 where they own their, 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 their properties. Why is, is, why is having the money aspect of it uh, having that transparent and like on a public ledger, why is that so important for things like citizen journalism and just journalism or just being able to know, you know, uh, 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 who pays for the schools? Yeah, I, I mean, for, for me, it's, it means many different things to many people, many different people. But for me, the important thing is that once you own your account and it's regulated by a consensus driven mechanism on a distributed protocol, which is not owned by by a platform, not owned by a centralized company. It means that you have freedom and autonomy to speak and say whatever it is that you like, unless you do something that pisses the whole community off, at which point the community can step in and regulate via consensus voting mechanisms. Whereas at the moment, you have, you, you're at the behest of Mark Zuckerberg or, or Jack Dorsey, and these people are notorious for censoring. So 
as a result, you have to be very careful what you say. And even even the most successful content creators who are like, you know, badass in the world at the moment, they're all earning lots of money. They all know deep down in their in the back of their minds that they are owned and they have to watch what they say. And it's it's a, it's a sad state of affairs, really. Cancel culture is a real thing. Like I, I've had right. to I've had to create boundaries for my own Twitter account and people who run my Twitter account. Um, there are things that we can't say and things that we know that we shouldn't because right. there are probably like five to six people who earn their livelihoods on my social media, you know, reach and everything. These are people that earn right. income every single day. So if I say something stupid or if they say something stupid on one of my accounts and we get kicked off, this is our livelihoods. So yeah, it's it's great to have the the Syrian citizen journalist reporting on what's going on. But if that journalist can't eat, then he's going to go right. and write for whoever is paying him. And and right. do you think that's why we need to have the money all transparent? Yeah, I mean, it's part of the reason that, that having the money for tra- transparent is a good thing. Um, there's 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 a mix of both worlds in my opinion, but that's a kind of different story. But coming back to why this is possible, right? if if we can just talk about this for a sec. Where we're going is because you, because it's all on a distributed protocol and the accounts are owned by the users and the communities are owned by the users. So no one can take their, you know, 10 years of building a community off them. What you have is those communities can then create economies using tokenized systems. And as long as the tokens are distributed in a decentralized way, so they cannot be classed as securities, which is going to be a big issue in the future because everyone's going to fall for it. They're all going to put 5%, 10% of the tokens in their own pockets and get regulated as securities. If you distribute in a decentralized way, then you can have these communities that are outside the system, cannot be regulated unless by the community that, that operates on that system. And then they have their own token economies. And if we build sustainable economic models into those tokens, you have sustainable economies outside the system. Yes. And this is where content creators will be able to monetize without having to worry about being regulated by a Web2 provider or uh, some sort of payment provider outside inside the system. All, all blockchains and all cryptos need to go through stress tests. And one of the thing is time. Like the, the longer they exist, the more their existence is validated. And also going right. through hacking attempts, going through attacks, hostile takeovers, distribution issue, things like that. Ha- you have to go through it in order to come out on the other side because then there's huge amounts of wealth that wants to come in or there's other people who want to join these communities who are waiting to see kind of waiting for these things to happen. You know, earlier on the show, we talked about how Hive is like massively decentralized. And that's largely because of the history of how Hive, you know, kind of Phoenix rose out of the ashes of steam. And one of the one of the earliest communities uh, dating back to 2015. And um, and then you had hostile takeover attempts and things like that. And, And but here you have this community that you know, broke off and said, this is, you know, this is what we want to do. This is the vision that we have. You know, it was the first time that a community is able to do it without, without a leader, really. Uh, can you tell us about this? It's fascinating story. Yeah. I I mean, for us, it wasn't fascinating at the time because we were in the middle of it and it was basically from what we can tell the first real blockchain hostile war. And hopefully this is how warfare will be conducted in the future rather than with, with weapons, but we'll see, I guess. Um, and what happened is we effectively, the mistake that was made by the Steam community was that Steam, the Steam community allowed their founders, Steamit Inc., to hold initially like 70% of the supply of the tokens. On a coin voting system, that's incredibly risky because all that has to happen is that 70% has to get compromised 
and boom, your whole ecosystem is finished because they can vote everything else out under the you know out of the water. Yeah. Over time, over four years or so of distributing that token, we got it down to about thirty percent centralized and concentrating that supply. And the original founder Ned, he got kind of angry at the community because the community was constantly banging on about get rid of this supply. We don't want this supply. We don't want this. We call it the ninja mine. This thirty percent that they, they yeah. Had. Um, and so, so they did, he did a deal under the table with um, a certain infamous uh, crypto guy, uh, Justin Sun, yeah. and he he bought that stake and then started talking about how he was going to move all the apps across to Tron. And he then started a hostile takeover. Um, managed to, well, the official story is that he managed to fool the exchanges into voting with their custodial stakes as well. So he got enough stake in the ecosystem to start forcing his own witnesses into the ecosystem and controlling the chain with, with which he started censoring content and people like me and, and dan and hensley uh, they call me dan my business partner who are running free speech platforms on this ecosystem because it's so anarchistic and decentralized uh, we you can't have it. you can't have free speech being, being stopped and censorship happening by a centralized party because then you go back to web two so a, a lot of us felt this way and, and the community ended up forking away and um ultimately the new fork was created, and on that new fork, they zeroed the balance of, of the original Steamer Inc. amounts and Justin Sun's amounts and moved that money into a decentralized fund where that money could then be distributed to the community. And effectively, with that happening, the community itself then said, hey, we're moving to Hive. We're going. We don't want the oppressive guy over here downvoting everything and like uh, censoring everything. So we, everyone moved across and left Steam as a hollow chain, empty chain. So that's the um, thing. You guys didn't take. It's not like you tried to to take Steam back. You no. basically said, "Okay, we are the power. We are without us, Steam is nothing. The blockchain is just words the, and the code communities. on paper. Communities, yes. everything. Yes, that was the most right. important thing, and that is the right. lesson. That is the lesson. Community that, is that, your layer zero. Yeah, that was the lesson that Justin Sun and Tron didn't realize. That was the lesson that 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 Ned didn't realize." Uh, this was the lesson that uh, some of the other folks didn't realize too, is that the community is the power. The community is everything. Right. And this is another lesson in proof of stake. And and I and I actually like delegated proof of stake. I think it's a good model for for more, for physical communities too, and like hybrid physical and and digital communities. Right. And we'll talk about that in a second. But that's yeah. that's what um, that's the problem with proof of stake because when you have financial incentive to maintain the the integrity of the system but when someone offers you a larger financial incentive to take over that stake with a proof of work system there would be nothing to give them right. you're promising them future mining profits okay but with here and the reason steam worked because we were a part of that together the reason it worked in the beginning was that that 70 percent was promised to us as a community that it won't right. be used for voting and in the early days that was good enough it was a promise and there were times yes. when when they almost voted and they let the community make the votes. And we were, oh my God, dude, we were voting. Like there were a bunch of hard forks. We were making upgrades constantly. It was so much fun to be a part of an, a, a, a crypto community that was together without a leader, making changes, making updates, you know, getting in calls, hard fork seven, hard fork eight. Like we were making so many, so many good changes. And then this kind of happened and it, and it, and it really turned a lot of people off. But now looking back, what a lesson and like how you guys came out on top. Like, wow, Hive is huge. It's bigger than Steam would have ever been. 
Yeah, I mean, it's double the market cap now. Um, it, it's it, to to us, it, it was all, we we call it being just in Sund, and it, in many ways, it was godsend because it was the little kick. It, it was the so here's the deal: the community was trying to fork for years to get away from the steam eating stake, but you could never get everyone to agree. And what the community needed was an alien attack moment where it united everybody under the same ideology to say, hey, let's get rid of this guy. Let's get out of here and move. Right. And that was the moment. That, and this is this is the problem that a lot of the other chains are going to have, because it, it was the same story on Steam where the founders promised, trust us, we'll decentralize, we'll distribute the stake. Right. And then over time, OK, they did, they did it slowly, but surely we didn't quite work. And then we got taken over. Right. So. Before that, before that happened, you couldn't get everyone to agree. But once it happened and Justin Sun attacked us, everyone agreed to move. And it was it was the energy that was required to move us to a new chain and get us onto this, this new system and really hold the rich, the abusive rich person to account. It's the first time that's ever been done in history by the community itself. And so this is a model going forward. But the problem is the chains that are all have all got founders stakes. They've all got like 40, 50, 60 yeah. percent pre-mines with the founders. They're all compromised because of this reason, and they need an alien attack moment to un unify those communities to save them, so they can get rid of those stakes and move to actually de actual decentralized protocols before the regulation comes in. And this is where we go now. We're going into this, this realm of regulation, where a lot of these chains are going to get regulated. They're going to have to cut deals, yep. or the community is going to have to find the way with all the resources and the ability, the technical ability, to go fork fork out some of these stakes and run their own ecosystems separate to the original stakes. Otherwise, they're going to get regulated. There's going to be like a like a come to Jesus type of moment for these yes, for all these blockchains, so. which I mean, which yes. chains I look at Bitcoin and Hive. What, what other chains have kind of went through like the ultimate takeover type stress test that I could think of? I mean, Ethereum is has went through the Ethereum classic, but that wasn't really like the whole community with the DAO and things like that. You have the, the I'll tell you this. Depending on how Ethereum comes out on the other side in a few years of Ethereum right. 3, 2, that will be a huge lesson because you're talking about a huge chain, which I don't know how they're going to move completely to proof of stake. I don't think it's ever going to happen. But bro, bro, I mean, it's 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 a super interesting time. I and mean, we've got a lot of respect for people like Vitalik. You know, a lot of yeah. these guys were ahead of their time. The technology wasn't mature enough when they built what they built. Um, if you take a look at Ethereum's position, I don't think many people have realized this, but you can see Vitalik following the Hive story. Because he knows, he's seen this, he's understood the importance of it. He writes it. about it. Yeah, he does. He's commented on it. He writes about it several times. And he's watching it with a close eye. And now you see them start to talk about moving away from coin voting. Why? Because once they go to proof of stake, the, the standard model will be to use coin voting in your account. So, which is basically, instead of a one account, one vote, it's a one coin, one vote. So if you've got more coins than someone else, the theory is that you're more valuable in the ecosystem because you've done more valuable things over time and the proof of stake's been distributed in that way. Um, in the Ethereum network, that is running a miner. So you, you see you see Vitalik start to talk now about moving away and going to alternative methods away from coin voting, where the logical system to use on a proof of stake would be coin voting on a true, truly fair proof of stake. And it's possibly because, and I'm speculating a little bit, and I'm, you know, welcome Vitalik to speak to people and, and, and discuss these items. Sure. But we think it's because what he's thinking is, as they move to proof of stake, you've got certain entities inside Ethereum that have got a massive amount of the supply, which potentially turns it into a security, which potentially um, um, uh, makes the coin voting mechanism unfeasible. Because once you start coin voting in that type of system, you will get entities coming after you, right? Or you'll get 
blamed or whatever. So what the, what you hear is constantly people saying, oh, we'll go to Reddit, we'll discuss it on Reddit, and we'll come to a consensus on Reddit, and then we'll execute the consensus in the, in the, on the chain. And it's really amazing to see because it's like these chains were supposed to be trustless, and they were supposed to be built for trustless mechanisms. And now you've got these communities talking about coming to consensus on Reddit, which is a, it's already a censorship platform to start off with. That's yeah. well proven. Yeah. So these things aren't free speech. They are, they're not going to necessarily protect you if, you, if you're under attack. You, if you're ever under attack, you have to have a communication mechanism that's not censorable. And um, these things aren't in place on, on Ethereum. And so I can see... Like, oh, you're right. There is, no, there is no system within Ethereum to like broadcast. Like Bitcoin has the alert key actually built into it. So to, on the Bitcoin right. network, you can alert. And also there's built into the protocol bit message. So you can do... You can send messages to Bitcoin addresses. Yeah. Yes, you can hybrid. do encrypted messages on Hive. Yeah, and that was actually one of the things that I liked about 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 Hive and and precursor to Steam was that you can add you know kind of like encrypted notes and memos and things like that. Um, so so what you're saying is, what we think of proof of stake now is one coin, one vote, and if Italic is leading the charge to to not do that then the whole idea of proof of stake as we know it today could be fundamentally completely different. So all these chains that are building like one coin, one vote, the socioeconomic experiment is proving failure. It's not working. Where no one's talking about it, proof of stake is not working. It's not, it's not working because of all the pre-mines and all the venture capital. If they actually started on a fair mining basis, and I'm not, this is, I'm not accusing Ethereum of this. Sure, I think no, no, the technology no, of course. They're just the ahead of its ones. time. It's like the economic systems were behind and the technology was ahead when these things were released. And, and now people are kind of trying to play catch up with where the, the, the ecosystems are moving. But ultimately, you have to face the fact that a lot of these stake-weighted stake voting systems, they will be undermining themselves if they've got venture capital or if they've got pre-mines because those pre-mines are compromisable. They're compromised entities. And so what, you, what you're going to have is you're going to have the regulation come in. You're going to have them working out what type of vote and governance system they're going to be doing. And, at the, and then at the same time, you're going to have potentially communities trying to fork away from the founding states. Uh, and that, that's where I think logically the blockchain ecosystem should move towards to get to a kind of revolution that sorts out where proof of stake is going to end up. Whether that happens or not is a different question. One thing for sure is on the ecosystem where we're building our technology it's not, that's already all solved, done and dusted and tested and proven. And we're, so we can keep free speech on that ecosystem confidently because it's a distributed um, base layer. And the, and the community is insane. Your layer zero is insane. So they'll attack anyone that attacks it. How do you prevent that? Like, so with, with delegated proof of stake and, and Hive, how do you prevent these type of things from happening again? Like getting Justin Sunder or whatever yep. again? How does that- <laughs> Justin how, Sunder, how, baby. Yeah, what what like lessons have you learned uh, yes. in a decentralized way that that other blockchains can can learn from, can adapt? Because the beauty of these things is you can integrate, you can change, you can upgrade. Yes, yes. So the the, the first thing, and this isn't my idea. I'm no kind of um, you know genius or anything. It's, I want to give credit to the developers, the core developers. They're amazing guys. So the first thing they did is on Hive, in order to vote in a delegated proof of stake system, you have to power up or effectively stake your coins. Right. And so when when he came in, this stake was powered up. And so everyone's like, holy shit, what the hell's going to happen to the stake? Because immediately he could start voting on witnesses. So what the core development team have done is uh, put a delay in. So when you power up, or when you stake your tokens to vote, it, it's, you can't vote for 30 days after you've powered up. 
which gives the community time to oh. find out whether you're a gives it time to find out whether you're a hostile entity, what your plans are, and if if you if they can't come to a consensus that you are benevolent to the community, they can then have time to create a new fork and move away if if the takeover is successful in that 30 day period. So that was that was the first thing that happened. Um, I could tell you other things that have, that have happened as What's well. What's the power down if you, if you time? Wish, or we could focus on that point. How long is the power down? On high of the power down time is three months. Okay, so this is very this is very important. Um, so so I just want to for the listeners, I want to explain. In in most other blockchains, all you got to do is take your tokens, put them in a wallet, and you can vote, and then you can sell them all. So you could theoretically vote for something really really good for you if you own seventy percent of it. Sell your shit, and then see you later. With with the early part of Steam and Hive, there is this power up and power down. So you'd have to power up your, your, your tokens, and essentially they would be locked for a certain amount of time. With Steam, you can power up your tokens immediately. So you can buy a million, you could buy 70% of the supply if you wanted to. You can power them up and make a vote. However, it would there would be like a half a year power down time. So they remove the like someone attacking for short-term financial gain because there would be more of a long-term financial gain. But it didn't prevent someone from coming in with a lot of money and powering up. And you guys changed that. And I think that is... Right. Well, the community changed it. And I think it's really important. Yeah, the community changed it. The, the, other, thing, the other thing that's really cool there as well is um, the security element. So if you powered up and you've got a three-month power down period and you get hacked, you've got some time to try and do something about it because it's, it's not like they can power down in a day and take, take your funds out, right? Um, so the, the other thing that happened that's really cool to see, although it was very stressful at the time, is when the attack happened, he only needed about 35% of the stake on the chain to take over control of the witnesses because no one had really taken voting seriously, right? So as this happened and everyone started coming together and trying to defend the chain, everyone started putting their voting that, was, that wasn't used on the original witnesses oh. to, try to take back control of the chain. So what one of the lessons is, you really got to encourage a chain to make sure that it's it's got a, a, as much of the powered up lockdown stake in the voting system as possible so that your voting system is incredibly hard to overwhelm. And that was easy to do on Steam at the time. And the, the other thing that's, so that's done now on Hive, the top 20 have got a very high threshold to get through and it, you really have to have a good, I don't know, 45% of all the tokens on the chain now before you could even start influencing the top 50, that's uh, so the top 20 witnesses. And then the other thing that's happened that we've, we've done is we've integrated a, a, a voting um, decay so that over time, I think it's a year, your vote drops and you have to vote for somebody else, right? So you can keep rotating these witnesses in and out. And the theory is that, you know, you shouldn't have a set, stale set of witnesses. More, yeah, could lead, that could lead to collusion. Um, and so if your vote drops off, you have to go vote for someone else um, a year later. Um, and so it'll have a nice rotation of witnesses as we, as we progress forward. How do, how is delegated proof of stake different than just normal proof of stake where it's like one coin, one vote? Right. So, I mean, it, the, the most simple example I know is, is where Ethereum's going. So you're running uh, a server that's got a certain stake on it, and then that secures the network based on how important that stake is in the network, i.e. how much is that stake. That's proof of stake, and then you're getting rewarded for that. And that just makes the chain way more um, flexible. Um, way quicker, cheaper transactions, things like that, compared to a proof of work model, which is like, proof of work is like the panzer tank of, of blockchain, let's say. It's high security, but low nimble ability, let's say. It's low, <laughs> whatever. Oh, I like say. that. Low, it's low true. Flexibility. 
Yeah. So, so when you go to proof of stake, you, you get more nimble. Um, but you, you, your trade-off is that you're now having to go based on the stake of the people within the ecosystem rather than, than running physical, big-ass, beefy proof-of-work uh, servers. With delegated proof-of-stake, it's specifically tailored to social media and Web3. In that, what you're doing is it's not a proof-of-work, so not everyone runs a node. It's not even a proof-of-stake, so not everyone's running a proof-of-stake node. It's now a, proof of, a delegated proof-of-stake, which means you have a small number of users who have paid a credible amount of money from the chain to make them difficult to corrupt. And the community can now vote on them. So we actually have a top 20. So instead of it being every single node in the ecosystem on proof of work Bitcoin and every single stake in the ecosystem on proof of stake Ethereum, now you have just the top 20 that are the most important nodes. And it means the blockchain is incredibly fast. You have free transactions, zero fees and three second transaction times. We've had that for five years. As a result, we have the biggest... Um, play to earn game Splinterlands now in the blockchain ecosystem. Absolutely smashing it. Four million transactions a day. And the chain is, is barely even sweating. The, the, the chain is just like, whatever. You know, it, it's not got any scaling issues at all. So you got on this, top of Hive, this game called Splinterlands and there's doing right. four it's million one transactions. One, just one of a four million transactions it's, it's no, a day. It's number three on Blocktivity. There's it's no number three sweat. on Blocktivity. So there's like, there's, there's Wax, some of the chain, and then um, Hive. And the cool thing is that recently, Number four is Tron. Oh, right. So he didn't. He didn't like the fact that we we fucked over Steam and left. Right. That, that was his side yeah. kind of pet project. But now we've got more transactions than even Tron has, and he um, he must be like, oh, <laughs> he must be writhing in his seat. But it's it's great. It's great to see him. So we're number three, and it's like an undiscovered discovered gem hive almost because it's got all these transactions, and yet it's so far down the coin market cap list, but. It's got its shit in gear for sure. History will look at at Justin. Uh, I think not not in a in a bad way, but just in in the first one to try to like merge an acquisition or M and A like two very different blockchain communities, not even built right. on the same technology with the same fundamentals, belief, or vision. The only thing they had in common was that they used like some sort of Byzantine fault tolerance system that came right. out of Bitcoin Satoshi white paper. So it's like. And that was a lesson. I mean, we really need to write a textbook just talking about not history. Yeah, I'm working on it. It's crazy. Bro, so I know there's a documentary being made about this. I believe there should be a movie because the negotiations that were going on to try to bring the, the, the chain back to a neutral position were insane. I'm a movie Some of the producer. Things that happened. Write me a script yeah, and we will make it. I literally, I read you. scripts every day. I read scripts and they're oh, most wow, of them are terrible. Really cool. If you could just give me a script <laughs> that I can read in an hour and a half, we will make yeah. that movie. That's how... People don't realize it's like there's nothing out there. It's shit. No one can write. There's no good movies being made. It's all crap. Just write a good script, a hundred page script, email right, right. it to me. And if it's good, it'll get made. It doesn't cost a lot of money to make a movie. We're going over to Scotland in January. My wife's, I get to live on set because my wife's an actress. And so I'm, I just get to be part of the emails. She's doing like a right. horror movie in Scotland. Uh, it's not going to cost huge. Not, there's no seven-figure amount to yeah. make that movie. Well, well the cool. beauty is that so there's, there's a guy called um, Brian Rhodes on. He was on Steam. I think he's still active on Hive. He's, he's from Hollywood as well. And what, what his model was was to use the content that you create as you make the movie, as you design the movie, and as you let the community input to the movie, post that content to Hive or Steam and, and earn blog and earn. So you're going to earn some of the inflation by doing that, and it funds your movie as, as you go, or at least part funds the movies you go through. And so this—that's the craziest thing. Yeah, I mean, these, this is this is the, welcome to Web three. You know, you're going to be able to 
self-fund almost everything that you do as, as you go. I just read a script uh, where it's like office space meets super bad. So like a funny called the it guy and uh, like the IT. Great, great, amazing. I freaking loved it. But here you have a situation where most of the movies based in an office building where, where the, the people work. Theoretically, you can have them all working at Hive. This movie makes it to Netflix for a few hundred thousand dollars that was contributed by the users and the DAO, you know, to produce yeah, this. Yeah. And then the accountability. Yeah. And then this thing gets out there. I mean, this is the future of, of yes. decentralized autonomous organizations. People are probably listening, yes. freaking out right now, listening to this. What? I don't think we should go into it on this call because it's quite detailed, but we're coming up with a concept called a SIP, which is a service infrastructure pool, which is a DeFi pool that you you pay the community pays into in order to receive something like a miner token from the ecosystem. That miner token drops in efficiency over the years, just like a normal mining rig would in reality. So people have constantly got to put money into this SIP, which means you can lock that money in permanently and grow the size of the DeFi pool permanently forever and then create fees off that until the, the, the support becomes big enough to self-sustain the ecosystem, right? This is where this is going. And, and if you release, if you release a, um, a capped governance token alongside that to distribute initially, you don't need VCs anymore. You don't need pre-mines, you know? You can self-fund from day one as we perfect these models. And it's all through, as long as you've got a Web3 distributed base layer that is not compromised by being owned by an entity, a CEO, a VC or whatever, you, you, now you're talking about true community funding mechanisms where you can start write, just write the ideas into the community. If the community likes it, it gets traction, and they, then you get the funding directed. And there's no VC behind it pulling the strings. And you're going to have your own distribution platforms and me methods. And All right, so th this is an interesting fact. Again, this is the movie could be insane, right? Because of all the different parties that were involved, you had Koreans that were involved, there's the Koreans, you had the Americans, you had... The people who were Someone trying has to, to write keep the script. neutral, you had the key people who were diehard Steam fans. We, I, I think that's basically already a script written, so we can, we can send that across to you or, or yeah. some information anyway. Um, but on top of that, there was another entity called Hive Blockchain Technologies, which is the Canadian-listed yes. mining company on the Canadian Stock Exchange, right? So you, 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 I don't know if you're aware, but they, they of course, brand recognition, you have to um, aggressively pursue your brand to defend it, Right. So within two weeks of whoever it was in the community choosing the name Hive and the community starting to run Hive, Hive as the new blockchain, Hive Blockchain Technologies, the Canadian company, tried to sue Hive, right? Who would you sue, though? Who, did, who could they sue? There was no one to sue. Justin right? Sun. <laughs> well, maybe. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Certainly, the, 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 the Hive brand has a lot Yeah, but more who do you activism. sue? That's the point of who a doubt. Who do you sue, right? Who, who do you sue? There's no one to sue. There's no, you can't sue a community, right? So here's the deal. This is also, not only is it the first time in history where the community of the plebs has managed to hold an abusive rich person to account and punish them and move away from them, right? Which I think is a, it's a, that is a revolution in history in itself. You've also got this situation where the community has accidentally taken a brand and the brand can't pursue them, Right. So when, when these Web3 communities start popping up, and as long as they are on distributed, decentralized, foundational layer one protocols without CEOs, without pre-mines and VCs, which is what most of the Web3 stuff is, these communities will be unregulatable apart from by the consensus model on the, on the overall community itself. What that means is some anonymous users with distributed communities 
may just well start commandeering brand names, especially those brands who are well-funded by certain elements of the economic system that now they don't need to cater to their users. They can just cater to the people who are investing in their companies. And I won't mention any names. I'm sure your, your audience is switched on enough to know what's, what, what, what I'm talking about. And, uh, and as a result, these, these brand names are no longer accountable on a free market capitalist system. We're moving to this other system, which is obviously counter to what free market blockchain systems are. And so this will be a mechanism where these decentralized anonymous communities will be able to commandeer brands. And I'm saying this because I want to help the brands come to Web3. The brands need to get on Web3 as soon as they can to, to defend their IP. Yes, because yes. This is, we're, we're in a new realm now. We're in a new paradigm. It's happening quickly. And they're going to start seeing that their brands are going to start getting commandeered or, or, or infected by these Web3 communities that are going to make a shit ton of money and then potentially infect the brand names. And there's nothing they're going to be able to do about it apart from putting human energy and capital behind their own Web3 communities as quickly as possible. Guys, we need to talk about how to use your Bitcoin and your USDC to earn you interest and make you more money. To do that, we're going to talk about our newest sponsor, Ledin.io, a much better home for your Bitcoin. They're amazing. They're a secure, simple, and easy-to-use platform for managing and growing your digital wealth. On Ledin, you can earn interest on your Bitcoin and on your USDC with some of the industry's best rates. Earn 6.1% APY on your first two Bitcoin and 9% on all of your USDC. That's right. All you need to do is deposit your coins and you'll receive steady payouts at the end of each month just for leaving your coins with them. 6.1% on Bitcoin is pretty huge. You don't find that same kind of return elsewhere without taking a much greater risk. And 9% on your USDC? Think about what kind of rate you'll get if you had dollars sitting in your bank's savings account. Probably almost nothing. If you've got dollar savings sitting around, this seems like a no-brainer. All you need to do to sign up with Ledin is send a bit of Bitcoin or USDC their way and then sit back and let the interest accrue. So what are you waiting for? Go to untoldstories.link forward slash Ledin to start earning interest on your Bitcoin or USDC today. That's untoldstories.link forward slash Ledin. You're going to love them. Enjoy. We're all used to investing in different types of cryptos, and we know that you can buy as little as $1 worth of any coin or token, but you can't do the same thing with stocks, bonds, and ETFs and all those other like traditional assets. And then if you can, you can't do it all in the same place. Our newest sponsor, public.com, is a super awesome community where they take your, private, your privacy seriously, and you can get in there and trade slices of crypto, Bitcoin, all different coins and tokens, and also stocks, bonds, ETFs, equities, and it's all done in the same place. What I love about it is that you have all these different investors you can connect with, with all walks of life, life gain confidence, ask questions, get the big picture with curated themes, talk to everyone, but they don't get involved in the order flow. They're not selling your data to all these other middlemen. And we got a very good special for you, my listeners, today. If you go to public.com forward slash untold stories and you start investing with $1, they're going to give you up to $50 in a free stock, a slice of a stock. That's all you got to do. Download the app, $1, you get 50 bucks worth. Public.com forward slash untold stories valid for us residents 18 plus only subject to account approval and make sure you check out public.com forward slash disclosures there's no investment advice here these guys have been doing and amalgamating 
all of these different types of community stock bonds etfs cryptos all together make sure you check it all out public.com forward slash untold stories how do you how do you explain to people the difference between web two and web three you were starting to allude to it before but i i find myself falling into the old trap of like investing in or getting excited about something that's just rebuilding the same layers of the old right yeah so to me there's no investment required you come on you post you get an account and you can post you earn and you can earn as long as you're providing value to the community that's that's a different thing there's no investment required wait so so on web three most of the time there shouldn't be an investment required and it's not just with three speak but even nft platforms and things like that okay that's a big difference if if to to join the system or the network of the protocol you have to own something to start bad news okay good to know it's it's a red flag it's already a red flag right so that's the point if you've got a true decentralized protocol everyone gets treated the same you can get on and you can post without having to invest anything um and, and so web3 you own everything it's outside of the platforms right that's the main thing i would say that that, that people can resonate with a normal person who is used to posting on Facebook with their Facebook account, used to posting on Google with their Google account and everything like this, where now they're owned by these, account, these, these, these companies. Web3 allows you to take that account outside of that platform. So the platforms just simply become skins. And your ability to earn, your ability to monetize, your ability to create communities and make them immutable is now in your hands as long as the, the the protocol that you're operating on with your social media account is actually decentralized and is not owned by some VC, right? So theoretically, if there was like a social, like you'd have Hive as a blockchain, but you have three speak and you have dozens of other like front facing layers of, of where people can interact with that blockchain. Absolutely. And this, this is where Steam made the mistake, right? Because Steam was like, they had, had Steam, only Steam it, yeah. Steamit.com and Steamit Inc. And it was all, and no one really realized that there was an underlying blockchain underneath the Steamit.com platform. Yeah, if you right? went to SteamDB.com, you can see all of Steamit without the beauty. Right. And I was like, guys, right. this is the only thing that Steamit provides is just a nicer, a nicer user interface. So now when you go on Hive, because so when you, here's a couple of things. When you remove the um, the the pre-mine from Steamit Inc., right, the thirty percent pre-mine, you imagine you're on an open source ecosystem and you're a developer and you're working away, right, to, pr- to provide value to this open source ecosystem. In the back of your mind, you know that Steamit Inc. is getting thirty percent of everything that you do because they own thirty percent of the token. It's hardly an incentive for you to go build open source tech. But as soon as that tech, as soon as that token was distributed to the community via DAO. Everyone felt like they owned the community. Everyone felt like they were actually true members. And the development weight went through the roof because the developers are like, now, well, now I feel like I'm actually working for myself and the community, right? Instead of for myself, the community and Steamy Inc. So this is this is one key thing. Um, I'm, I'm forgetting what we were talking about there, by the way. Oh, yeah, platforms. Yeah. So the, the other key thing is then as a result, you, you have more developers working to build more open source front ends that, that sit on top of the protocol, that sit on top of Hive. So instead of where Steam was basically just steamit.com, Hive has got like 400 freaking dApps now. It's got the biggest, like I was saying, Splinterlands is on it. You've got 3Speak, which is a video platform. You've got PeakD and Hive.blog, which are blogging platforms. You've got Dbuzz, which is a, um, a, a short form blogging platform. And then you've got Leo Finance, which is a finance community. They've got their own token system and everything that runs on Hive. 
it's a, it's a real diverse ecosystem. I'm not even touching, you know, there's a, there's a game called Crypto Brewmeister as well. There's all these play to earn games coming up there. Um, and so, you know, the, the ecosystem is expanding and it's got all of these different things operating on. So it's like the block trains the road and the apps are the shop fronts on top. And they're all open source. So you can go copy them and build your own versions. And we're getting to a point now where it's going to be, we're very close actually, to a point where you're going to be able to come. So here, here's the problem that it, part, part, parts of the problem that you solved. A lot of the content creators today are creating their own, they're paying, say, 20 grand, create their own front end that, that isn't censorable by YouTube. But the thing is, that's what the system wants because it can silo you. It's very hard to drive traffic to those. So what, yes. what's happening on Web3? Uh, and, and again, you have to make sure the protocol is decentralized, whichever one you choose. But you're going to have these open source front ends where you don't have to pay probably anything, maybe just a few hundred dollars, but, but you don't have to pay. I'm, I'm trying to get to the point where you don't have to pay a single penny. You go in, you upload your logo, you upload your color scheme, and you press go, and it gives you a platform that's a front end that you can run on your web server and it ties into all of these immutable accounts, immutable uh, contents, communities, everything like this, and tokenized ecosystems. That's going to happen a few, few clicks of a button in the next, say, year or so. Certainly it's happening now, but it'll get really good in the next year. And then what you have is instead of these content creators going and paying 20 grand to run a video platform of their own and then paying the maintenance fees every month, you've got very simplistic open source front ends that run all of this stuff but it's all stored by the community peer-to-peer -peer, and all the infrastructure is run peer-to-peer -peer by the community, which makes it really cheap compared to running a centralized model. And then the most important thing, in my opinion, for the content creators is that the content creators are going to now be storing their, their, their content on a distributed community, which means that that content is going to be available if they wish it to be to every other freaking platform on the whole ecosystem to pull up. And that creates a network effect. That's where you get your network effect and you start driving traffic back to your, your platform instead of being siloed on Web2 where you're at the bottom of the search engines, which is where they want you. Um, and by the way, as an additional, one of the things that Speak Network is doing, which is, which is one of the projects that, that I'm working on, Speak Network is going to be an incentivization for Web3. It's an incentivization layer for Web3. So you're basically running infrastructure that, that decentralizes Web2 and then provides Web3 tools such as NFTs, communities, uh, decentralized storage, front-end applications. And then it, incentivize, it incentivizes the people who are doing that in the ecosystem so they become sustainable. Um, and what we're going to end up with, with is a situation where we're going to be approaching a lot of these alternative media platforms and having, asking them if they want to implement this technology into their platform. And what does that do? It saves them months and months and months of engineering time because they're all thinking, they've all got this problem in their head. They all know that they've got this problem, but they, they're all trying to solve it themselves. And there yeah. can be various different mechanisms to solve it. But on Hive, we've solved it four years ago, right? We've solved the decentralized accounts. We've solved the decentralized storage. We, we've now come into the point where we're, we're tokenizing ecosystems and communities. And we've got the permanent community. So all these tools can just be imported into these platforms without them having to spend a million dollars on engineering time in six, seven months or a year in engineering time. We want to get it to the point where they're spending two weeks in engineering time to implement this technology. And because we're not going to give ourselves a pre-mine, we're, we're going to mine competitively in the ecosystem from day one against everyone else, just like Satoshi did. Yeah. So it means that we can't be classed as a security. It means we can't be regulated. I say we, the ecosystem can't be regulated. What it means is that when they start running their infrastructure in the ecosystem, they will also be part owners of the ecosystem, right? 
and boom, you've got you've got your decentralized layer that's uncensorable, and it, and now you've got all these web three tools that, are, that that just it just where where does this take us? It takes us to a new paradigm where you've got you've got the old system running where you've got a you know you've got all these restrictions, freedom restrictions on your freedom requirements, social credit score. I assume we're moving towards very quickly, right? And over here, you've got this other system, which is running on a decentralized layer, which no single entity controls and has an open, transparent governance system where the stakeholders are able to govern. And then on top of that, you've got all these like communities growing up and platforms growing up that have got multiple thousands of users with with sustainable ecosystems backing them. And what do you get then? Let's say some of these communities, some of them will have half a million followers. Some of them will have a million users, right? When you get a sustainable ecosystem behind that that's unregulatable, apart from by the community, now you have something that's the size, an economy that's the size of a small country. Yeah. Right? And and if you get 4,000 of these things pop up, at the moment, you've got 150 or so governments that can print their own money, and they really do control what's going on in terms of, especially economically. Well, when you get 4,000 of these communities pop up, and they've all got their own sustainable ecosystems backed by NFTs and all sorts of sustainable sinks and distribution mechanisms, which we don't need to go into here. Then you've got, you take these 150 entities that can produce their own currency, and now you make you level their power out because you've got 4,000 of these other entities that have got probably even more credible economies that, that are running there. And so instead of us having 150, you've got 4,150 entities that can print their own money. And what that does is it significantly decentralizes governance in the world. And that's where we're going. You know, that's this is where such this is a shift. Us. This is such a fundamental such shift, a shift from not just yeah. finance, but it's it's everything. Every, and the everything. most important thing everything. you said right there that I want to like pound into the listeners' heads is that in Web3, you own a piece of the protocol that you are contributing right. to, operating with, working on. You own a piece of it. Imagine being able to own a piece of the software of tomorrow. And that's what it is. And by doing that, you're contributing to that larger ecosystem. Starkers, thank you. I mean, I'm having fun. I'm on Splinterlands right now, actually. Are you? <laughs> don't get addicted. <laughs> I already get addicted. I'm loving three speak. <laughs> I, I love. I love three speak. It's it, it's just beautiful because you have, you know, you're you're gonna have people that are gonna create content and put it up to three speak first and create loyalty here because. They're getting paid by the community that wants that exclusive content. So you have music covers, you have live streams, you have you have all sorts of educational videos and contents, everything here. Um, congratulations and thank you for taking the time and coming on Untold Stories today. I really appreciate you. Yeah, pre- appreciate you sticking with um, the decentralized mindset as well. You know, one of the you things I've to. seen over the years is, well, you have to. I, you know, none of us are in this for the money. There's thousands of us working on this stuff. And it's all about the decentralized mindset. And, and what have we seen over the last seven years or so? The initial guys that all came in, a lot of them have dropped away because they've fallen victim to the greed and the money. And now you've got all the venture capital in there. The venture capital saying that it's Web3 when it's really still Web2. People are going to fall for this, unfortunately. It'll be a shame. A lot of people are going to get burned, yeah. I think. But guys like you have stuck around and you still you still get the decentralized mindset and the ideology of what we're doing here. And, you know, ride or die, man, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. And, and it, we're going to decentralize the, the the financial, social media and economic system and the governance system around the world. And, and it will be community it. managed and community driven. So bring Make it the on. world a better place. That's Hopefully key. so. Yeah. 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 Look at it'll us. Ser- I mean- well, it, well, it will certainly create a new paradigm that gives people the option to choose. Right. And that's to me, if we can do that, that's a revolution without having to fire a shot. 
And I, I, I just think that is a fantastic I love that. way to go. You know? Digital choice. Yeah, you're right. You're right. right. You can't. That's that's a, kind of one of the reasons I explain to people why this whole crypto thing is a revolution, because for the first time, you never had a choice. You have if you got kicked out of a bank, what do you do? You go find another. You don't have a choice. If you're out of the financial system, right. you're out. But now you have another choice. So it forces the others to compete. It's 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 fucking amazing. Because he, he it, just just one one last thing to, 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 to why is this working this way? And it's the realizations come to me more and more where. Why can a bank shut you out? You know, we, we, we all grew up on the idea as free market capitalism. The banks can't afford to lose your business. You're the customer. You're yeah. always right. Yeah. Well, why is this happening now? And it's because after 2008, the, the economic system has become so centralized in a couple of hedge funds. And we all know who they are. That they now, because basically the CEO is looking at his profit statement and he's going, if I cut these customers off, but I follow this woke, um, alternative thing here, or you know, you, you know what it is, right? Yeah. Then I'm going to get a higher score on BlackRock's list, and they're more likely to invest in me. Oh right? yeah. You see that the the Oscars going this way. There's 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 criteria informed in an ideology that isn't market driven. It's being driven from top down. So what you have is you have these hedge funds who are able to dictate what they what these companies need to do, and then the, the CEO is looking at his profit statement and going, if these guys invest in me, I'm going to make a shit ton of money off my share bonuses. Right. So I'd rather get their investment than, than get the customers. Please, this is why you get Gillette yeah. doing the adverts they're doing. It's I'm, why you get, you know. I'm looking at it now. The five largest banks pretty much control over 50% of the whole banking industry. It's, that's, and the, it's it, like it's, it's Justin Sund. Well, yeah, they're know? getting Justin Sund over here. John. They're, they're, <laughs> exactly. So, so isn't it ironic how we've come to this moment in history where all of these things have become centralized far, far beyond the expectations of what we could ever have realized, I think. And at exactly the same time, we're creating this technology and it's yeah. happening. It's and so it's, cool. I mean, what, what an interesting movie, at least. You know, there's another movie for you. Send me the script. <laughs> I know. Starters. Thank you, man. Thank you. I appreciate, appreciate it. you, man. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Keep I'll up that decentralized soon. mindset, man. We, we, you know, we're all warriors in this digital world. Yeah, and, we um, are. I hope guys, like, guys for, like you all take it through. Thank you for doing what you do, too.